Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and instruct us, to guide us, to bring us to understanding about the things that you want us to understand from the words we read and the words we speak today. It's all yours. Do with it as you please. I just wait with anticipation to see how all of that is going to play out in your time and in your will. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, each week in this series on the power of forgiveness, we've taken a look at the prodigal son. It seems like every week we keep coming back to that story. The story that's found in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 31. I thought about reading it again, but I'm not going to read it again. You, You have heard it from up here a number of times, and you can read it for yourselves. Luke 15, 11 through 31. But for those of you that may not be familiar with the story, let me just say that there was a young man who decided that he wanted to leave home. Many of us want to do that, don't we? And he went to his father and said, Hey, Dad, how about giving me my inheritance right now, and I'll go out and and leave you and kind of live on my own. His father did that. He went to another country. He, The Bible said he wasted, he squandered his money on wild living. We can all imagine what that might be. Uh, He got to the point where uh, he ran out of money, and all of a sudden, wild living isn't so wild anymore, is it? Those of you that have tried it, all of a sudden it dries up, doesn't it? When you don't have that money, friends leave you too. Well, he found himself without any money. He found himself without a place to live. He found himself without anything to eat. He took a job with a farmer who raised pigs. Now, this was a good Jewish boy who doesn't have anything to do with pigs, but he was feeding the pigs in the, in the pigsty, uh, and he looked at the food that the pigs were eating, and he thought... That looks pretty good. And the Bible says he came to his senses. And any of us that have wandered at any time in our past, I think can understand and agree with that statement. He came to his senses. And when he did, he decided he would go back to his father. And he would ask his father to take him back in Uh, He didn't expect to be taken back in as a son. He wanted to be a servant, just like he was a servant in this uh, pig farm because he knew his father treated the servants better than he was treated here. So he went back. His father saw him coming from way off in the distance and ran out to meet him, hugged him, kissed him, gave him four different items, uh, killed a fatted pig, had a great party, great celebration, And the parable ends. Happily ever after. Right? No? No. No. Well, I've always wondered... (laughs) You know, you kind of... I'm just kind of crazy this way when I read Scripture. I want to see something that... that isn't told me there, but I want to know what it says. I don't want to know what the other people did. What happened to him? What happened next? What happened to this guy next? The son returned home, and he received the forgiveness, but 
Did his life change at all? Did he make any change at all? I mean, think about it. If he wasn't happy at home before, what was it that would make him happy at home now? If he had treated his father poorly before, what makes you think he's going to treat his father any differently now? Would he be able to forgive himself because he had squandered half of his father's uh, inheritance? I guess a third because there was another brother. A third of his father's estate. Would he be able to live forgiven? Would it be possible? And that's the question that we're looking at today. Am I living forgiven? Are you living forgiven? How long? How long will you try to do this on your own, all by yourself? What will it take for you to turn back to God, to go home for good? Have you received God's forgiveness in your heart and in your life? And if you have received God's forgiveness in your life, has it transformed your life radically as only God's forgiveness can do? Is your life different today than it was? Are you still living the same life you were living before with some minor changes? I don't think we can have an encounter with Jesus without being radically changed, entirely different than we were before. What's different about your life? Colossians 1, 13 says this, for he, talking about God, he has rescued us out of the darkness and gloom of Satan's kingdom and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son who bought our freedom with his blood and forgave us all our sins. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't purchase it. It is a gift from God. And the Bible said that Jesus' death removed the sin. The sin that stands as a barrier between us and God. Our relationship with God. So we can't have that relationship. But what happened Next. You see, here's my biggest fear. And that is, I believe that in reality, in the real world where we live today, most people, most of us, most of you, are not living forgiven. You may have never accepted God's forgiveness. But even if you have accepted his forgiveness, your life hasn't changed. You look exactly the same. You walk around with a lot of dead weight on your shoulders, a lot of baggage pulling behind you, a lot of hurt in your lives because you really didn't accept his forgiveness in your heart. Perhaps you understand his forgiveness. You have this intellectual understanding, but you haven't accepted it as a reality deep down inside. The inability to receive God's forgiveness and the inability to forgive other people can cause us literally to become sick. Sick. 
sick physically and sick emotionally and sick relationally and even sick spiritually. Carl Menninger, a famous psychiatrist, said this, If I could convince every person in a psychiatric hospital that they were forgiven, 75% of them would walk out of the hospital that very day. Wow. That tells me that in our society, our biggest problem isn't a psychological one. Our biggest problem is a forgiveness problem. So today we're going to look at God's solution for our heart problem. What should really happen in your life when you receive God's forgiveness? What should it look like? How does God want you to live as if you're forgiven? When you're living as forgiven, there's five uh, heavy burdens that God replaces in your life. And here's the first burden, God wants to, the one that God wants to replace in your life. The first burden is doubt, doubt. And I've defined doubt as an unnecessary, an, an uncertainty of belief that interferes with decision-making. Uncertainty of belief that interferes with decision-making. And did you get that? Doubt is being so uncertain about what you believe that you aren't able to make decisions in your life, decisions about your future, without doubt interfering with every decision you make. President Franklin Roosevelt said this once, The only limit to our realization of tomorrow will be our doubts of today. That's the only thing holding us back is our doubts about today. Doubts about yourself. Doubts about your ability. Doubts about your intellect. Doubts about other people and their intentions toward you. But most importantly, doubts about God. Doubts about whether or not God even exists. Doubts like, does God really love me? Could he really love me? Doubts like, will, will God really forgive me of all those things that I've done in my life? I mean, if you only knew. Doubts like, can I trust God with my life? Will he really take care of me? Will he really bless my life? But you see, God doesn't want you to go through your life living filled up with doubts. Burdened with doubts. God wants to replace your doubts with security. He wants to replace my doubts with security. I've got on your hand out there. Security means that you know for certain. We've talked about security a couple of weeks here. Some of you live life without eternal security. And you aren't sure that you've met the requirements that need to be met in order for you to get into heaven. You aren't sure that God will really forgive your sins. And you're not sure that he won't turn his back on you because of the things that you've done. But God's forgiveness provides that security. 
Hebrews 10, 17 says this. This is, this is what God says. I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Now when their sins have once been forever forgiven and forgotten, there is no need to offer more sacrifices to get rid of them. Sacrifices aren't necessary. The temple's not necessary. Forgiveness from God comes from a direct uh, uh, conversation with Him, a confession of your sins. When God steps into your life and offers you forgiveness, you know what? It's done. It's finished. It's a done deal. There's nothing else you have to do for eternal security. There's nothing else you can do for eternal security. So won't you allow God to erase your doubts about eternal security and receive his forgiveness today if you haven't already. The first burden in your life then is doubt. And the second burden is guilt. Guilt. Guilt about past mistakes, guilt about past sins. And my definition for guilt is this, knowing that you have messed up and experiencing the blame for that mistake. Now, here's the dirty little secret about guilt. Guilt always comes attached with another emotion. You know what that emotion is? Shame. That's the twin... uh, the twin brother of guilt is shame. Not Shane, shame. <laughs> shame, is a t- shame is attached to guilt, like Ng and Ching, the Siamese twins. And shame is a humiliating emotion that causes you to feel badly about yourself. And some of you are carrying around these twins, guilt and shame over mistakes that you've made in the past, mistakes in your relationships, times you've turned away from God, things that have, you're embarrassed about that you've done in your past. And maybe you haven't asked God for forgiveness or, or maybe you haven't been able to forgive yourself for those things. Maybe you're being weighed down by the burden of guilt and you feel like the psalmist who wrote in Psalm 38, 4, my guilt overwhelms me. It's a burden too heavy to bear. But here again, God doesn't want you to carry around the burden of guilt for the rest of your life. God wants to replace my guilt with peace. With peace. You see, guilt isn't from God. In fact, through forgiveness, God wants to remove every little piece of guilt and shame from your life. There won't be any of it left. He wants you to experience no guilt. He wants you to experience no shame. Acts 13, 39 says, Everyone who believes in Him, in Jesus, is freed from all sin and declared right with God. Trusting in Jesus... You're free from all guilt, and you're made right. Your relationship is restored with God. Hey, when you came in here this morning, you noticed that our walls on both sides here are completely covered with red material. And those of you that have been around for a while thought, oh, George has been up to it again. 
But if this is your first time here with us, let me explain that, that we've had these walls up here the whole time we've been talking about forgiveness. And we call these the walls of forgiveness. And you'll see I've interspersed slides of some of the things that you've written on the walls up here. And even on the front of your handout, there's, there's some too. We've had them up every week during this series, and we gave people the opportunity to write their names on the walls. And emotionally, even crying, we've had people writing initials on the walls saying, today I'm going to forgive myself and meaning it. Or writing the initials of another person on the wall and saying, today I'm going to forgive this person and I'm going to release them. We've had all kinds and sorts of handwriting. Every time we would walk in here, we would be reminded about the past sins that we've written up here on the wall or the past mistakes that we've made. But when you trust in Jesus Christ alone and confess your sins to God the Father, let me show you what happens. Let me show you what happens. John, help me out here. That's what happens. The paint fairies <laughs> painted over all of that stuff that was up here this week. And it's completely gone. No remnants of it. Why did they do that? To remind you that when God forgives you, it's all removed. All removed. Isaiah 1.18 says, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. It's not just in the past. It's removed as if it never happened in the first place. And that's what God's peace brings into your life. That's how God removes the guilt and the shame from your life. It's completely gone. When God's peace comes into your life, you can lay down that burden of guilt and its twin cousin, shame. God replaces guilt with peace. The third burden is the burden of grudges. Grudges that you hold against other people. Hurt feelings, anger, resentment, hateful thoughts toward another person. You know, you thought this person wronged you in some way in the past. And let me tell you, it is so easy to get consumed by a grudge, isn't it? But when you hold on to that anger, you only end up hurting yourself. Holding on to a grudge never hurts the other person. <laughs> it's funny how that works. The only person it hurts is the person holding on to the grudge, and that's you. And God doesn't want that for you. So God replaces my grudges with freedom. With freedom. And the only way that you can have that freedom is by releasing the other person completely from whatever they've done to you in the past. Release them. No matter who they are, no matter what they've done, 
Release them from the guilt. Release them from having to say, I'm sorry to you. Release them from any possibility of revenge on your parts. That's the only way that you're going to get rid of the burden of guilt once and for all. That guilt that you've been carrying around with you. Remember, you're carrying the guilt, not them. They may not even be aware of the grudge. Some of you here today are holding on to like anger and grudges and resentment toward another person and God is saying right now in your heart you can hear him release it let it go save your life by releasing your grudges in forgiving others and releasing your grudges you know what you offer them life You give them life in letting go and releasing. You receive real life yourself. You receive freedom from the grudge. Colossians 3.13 says, Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Why don't you underline or circle must forgive. You must forgive others. Why is that? Because your life and your freedom depend on releasing those grudges. And today, this very day, is the day for you to release the burden of grudges that you're holding. Experience God's freedom and his forgiveness by letting go. The fourth burden is the burden of regret. Now, a lot of you have regrets about the past, about missed opportunities, about things that have happened in your life. And I I would define regret as sorrow aroused by circumstances beyond one's control. Beyond one's control. You see, by very definition, regret is worthless. Because there's nothing you can do to get rid of the burden of regret by thinking about it or by replaying the tapes in your mind over and over and over again. There's nothing you can do to fix it. But here's the thing. Regret, just like guilt, is not from God. Regret is not from God. God doesn't want you to experience regret in your life. Instead, God wants to replace my regret with hope. With hope. Romans 4, 7 says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. What great hope is that? This verse says that past mistakes and sins and missed opportunities are put out of sight when we are are forgiven. We can remove them, wipe them away, as if they never existed. And why can we do that? We're promised because with God's forgiveness, there's no dead ends. There's nothing that you can do that will prevent God 
from creating a new future for you with hope and with endless possibilities. He's always, always, always got something else for you. And it's always better. And it's never too late with God. Alexander Graham Bell, the inventor of the telephone, said this, When one door closes, another door opens. But we often look so long and so regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the one that is opened up before us. Stop saying, what if? Oh, what if I? Oh, if I could only. If ifs and buts were candies and nuts, oh, what a party we'd have. But they aren't. Seriously, the best way to remove this burden of regret from your life and to keep it from happening again is to no longer look back at closed doors. Only look forward to open doors and at the opportunities and the possibilities that God has for you. He's got them. They're in the wings waiting for you. Regret is an appalling waste of energy. You can't build on it. You can only wallow in it. I've met a lot of people in my life that love to wallow. Just stay there and wallow in that regret. Hmm. Number five, the burden of fear. This may be the heaviest burden. The burden of fear, being afraid. You're afraid of the future. You're afraid of looking foolish. You're afraid of not being successful in your career. You're afraid of what your financial situation is going to be. You're afraid of commitment. You're afraid of not finding Mr. Right or Ms. Right. You're afraid of losing your marriage. You're afraid of growing old. Most of all, you're afraid of death. You have a lot of fear in your life. And it's so, so heavy. God didn't create you to be afraid. God doesn't want you to live your life with fear. So God wants to replace my fear with courage. With courage. Think of the cowardly lion. He got courage. And courage is the strength to venture to persevere, and to withstand fear. Did you get that? You see that? Underline that word fear. That means that courage and bravery only exist in the presence of fear. Think of it this way. If you're doing something and you aren't afraid, then it doesn't take courage. And it doesn't take Bravery. The only time you can be courageous and brave is when you are afraid of something. And what that tells me is that it's not wrong to be afraid. You're going to be fearful at times. You're going to be afraid of things. But what is wrong is if you live in a constant state of fear. What fear does, more than any of these other burdens that we've talked about, 
What fear does is that fear paralyzes you. Fear keeps you from moving into the future that God has prepared for you. From taking the next step. Because you're so afraid that that you end up staying in your comfort zone. Because it's nice and comfy in there. So today, I want to talk to you about some next steps that you could take. Where's God asking you to step out of your comfort zone today? Could it be in a new youth program here at uh, Renovation Vineyard Church that we're trying to get started? And we've asked, I understand the team has asked a number of different people to step up to the plate, and nobody's really stepped up to the plate. I don't know why. Maybe, maybe that's not your passion, and that's okay. We don't want you there if that's not your passion. But when we have nine or so students that are going to be in the sixth grade and begin the youth program, we need to do something for them. If we're not taking care of them, it's like we're saying, you don't matter. Just go to hell, kids. Or go to some other church. We don't, we don't want to mess with you here. Won't you step up to the plate? If that's a desire of yours, then then come see us. Write it on your Connect card there. Let us get in touch with you. We've got to do something for these kids. There's other areas that would take you out of your comfort zone. Maybe praying with people after the service. Ooh, I can't do that. That'd be too scary. We don't do anything around here that we don't look at a Scripture uh, foundation for what we do. And then we look at a model in the Bible of how to do it. And then we practice doing it with ourselves before we put it out before everybody else. It's the way alpha training takes place. That's the way that prayer ministry training takes place that they even do that in guest services when they're training people how to how to greet at the door it's important so it's not like we're going to leave you on your own we're going to hold your hand through it where is god asking you to step out of your comfort zone today is your next step to give your life over to god completely maybe you haven't done that You've given him part of it, the part that you want him to have, but there's this other part over here that, gosh, I want to hang on to this. I'm having fun right here. I don't want him in this room. You can have the rest of the house, but not this room right here. This is my, my little private room, and, and I want to keep this. Give your whole life to him. Give it completely to him. Is this the day that he'd have you step out and do that? Could it be registering for and participating in the next Alpha course that we're going to have here that begins August the 17th? And I had 
registrations up here. But I'm sure there's some at the info counter over here that you can get. You probably received one when you came in. You could, there's a place on your um, Connect card where you can where you can indicate that you would like to do Alpha. There's a lot of different ways for you to do that. See me after the service. We'll we'll see that you get registered. August the 17th, if you want to discover what your meaning in life is, this is the place to do it. This is the place to do it. And I know that um, I, know that I, I will get in a lot of trouble, but um, uh, we do have a couple of very special friends here today <laughs> from uh, J. Reuben Long. Gareth and Mary Ann right back here, raise your little hands are with the Life Recovery Program, and we see them every Friday morning. They're in charge of the program at J. Reuben Long where we're allowed to do Alpha. And we thank you. This church thanks you. That program has changed us, and we've seen some guys change too through what we've been able to do. We, we love you all, and we're glad you're here today, and keep up the good work over there. Hopefully, we'll have some other guys that will be signing up to join us. Maybe that's an area. Maybe you want to sign up for uh, Prison Alpha. You'd like to help with that. We can certainly use some, some guys to help us or some gals to cook. You know, we, we can do any, well, Guys can cook, too. Sorry, Jim. You cook better than anybody in here. But... Uh, we could use some help in, in those areas too. Step out. Help with Alpha. Lastly, maybe God's asking you to invite a friend or a coworker or maybe even a family member. That one's tough. To come to church with you for the first time. Maybe they've never been to church or maybe it's been a long time since they've been in church. Well, maybe you're stepping out getting out of your comfort zone and just asking, inviting them to come, and inviting them to come with you, not say, oh, I wish you'd come to my church, but pick them up, take them to lunch afterwards, take them to breakfast before. Let them know that you're interested in them, and uh, they won't walk in here and think, oh, where's my buddy? I don't, I don't see my buddy anywhere. I, I, I'll just leave. <laughs> that could be kind of tough for some folks. Whatever it is, take that step. And when you take that step to do something that you're afraid of, you know what? You're attacking your burden of fear. You're taking that burden off of yourself and you're laying it aside. And when you do that, you're stepping into the future, a future of hope and promise. You're being courageous and you're opening up for yourself all that God has prepared for you. And you won't know what it is until you take the step. He doesn't reveal it that way. He shows you after you take the step. And the biggest fear for some of you is the fear of death. The fear of losing your life. What's going to happen to me when I die? But you see, God's forgiveness... God's forgiveness negates not just the fear of death. God's forgiveness negates death itself. 
When you receive God's forgiveness into your life, you see, physical death is just the next step. It's just the next step. And this life that you're living today, this life is just the tip of the iceberg for what God has in store for you. An eternity stretched out forever in front of you with God in heaven. I can't even imagine. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So, doubt, guilt, grudges, regret, fear, they're symptoms of an unforgiven life. They're burdens that you carry around with you every day. And they can become so heavy, so heavy that they stop you from moving forward. They can rob the life from you. And God wants to replace each one of them. And he'd like to do that today. Hebrews 12:1 says, Therefore, as we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight every burden that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. You see, when God's forgiveness comes into your life, it's a powerful and it's a freeing thing. When God's forgiveness comes into your life, it replaces doubt with security. When God's forgiveness comes into your life, you no longer have guilt in your life and you experience God's peace. When when God's forgiveness comes into your life, God replaces those grudges that you've carried around for oh so long. He replaces them with freedom. When God's forgiveness comes into your life, the regrets that you have about your past mistakes or your missed opportunities are things that you no longer have to keep bringing up because God replaces regret with hope. And then when God's forgiveness comes into your life, you no longer have to live in fear. He doesn't want you to live in fear about the future or about eternity or about anything. God replaces your fear with courage. and God wants to do that today in your life. Life is too short. My life is too short to be carrying these burdens around. So seek God's forgiveness today and truly mean it and begin to live forgiven. Amen and amen. We're finally through with the forgiveness series. Ah, And we'll begin something else uh, next week or two. Let's pray. Uh, God, today, today there are many of us here who are carrying around these burdens we've talked about. Two of them, three of them, or all five of them. 
in our lives. And you know what? It's killing us. God, help us to receive your forgiveness this very day. Replace my doubt with security. Replace my guilt with peace. Replace my grudges with, with freedom. Replace my regrets with hope. And replace my fear with courage. And God, today, I receive your forgiveness into my life. And as you have forgiven me, help me, Lord, to forgive other people and to forgive myself from this day forward because I want to live forgiven. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus.